All right. A couple things to start. Uh, the sentence I've been liking as we've been studying this, been just ringing with me. Uh, I said a few weeks back, I don't have a slide for it, uh, but the person said this. They said that Revelation was written to this church at this time and to us as church to quiet our fear, to renew our commitment, and to sustain our vision. So it was written to quiet our fears, to renew our commitment, and to sustain our vision. Okay? We're talking politics today, people. Quiet our fears, renew our commitment, and sustain our vision. So I want you to know we're going at the ends. I want you to be ready for it, okay? So, indulge me today, all right? Can you actually, actually let me read something first. I want to read you Romans 9, or Romans 12, I mean. We have a page number, I think, for that, actually. Can you give me slide number 9? I'm going to be in the Bible today, everybody. I would love it if you turn pages with me. It's about turning the pages, seeing it, how the story all works together. You can use your phone if you like, but I'm, I like pages. So we're going to be on page 1,123 to start. As we're thinking about politics, if I can find my own page. All right. The header on chapter 12 is living sacrifices. The header of I'm going to read, verse 9, is love. It says this, love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed them. If thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you'll heap burning coals on their head. Do not overcome evil. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. People of God, that's the first word of God. All right, we're going to keep doing this. So how's that we're going to end? Can you give me slide number 11? We're talking politics today. Paul says we should be people who bless and do not curse. So at the end, we're going to ask for forgiveness. For the ways we have spoken, can you give me slide number 10? about our local politicians. I don't know if we oftentimes think of our words as curses. Curse sounds powerful, right? Do we think of it that way? So I will admit, I have thought, I have said things about people that you see up there. I have. Has anyone else? So we're going to conclude today by first asking for forgiveness. That's how we're ending. Can you give me slide number 12? Paul said, don't bless, do not curse. So we're going to bless. We're going to bless our politicians, people running for office, and we're going to bless our institutions, and we're going to bless every generation in this town. 
I think as we get in Revelation today, there's a ton of hope. Chapter 12, 13, 14 seems nuts. A lady with a crown giving birth, a giant dragon, two beasts. There's a heavenly army being led by a lamb who's singing a three-part sermon from angels and then a harvest to end all harvests. It's wild. But last week we said over and over, we win. The lamb wins. So as we work through each system, each person, the beast, dragon, dragon, I'm going to show you. John says, we win, we win, we win. So we can endure patiently and we can be people who do not curse. And we can be people who bless. We have a big goal coming as a church where we're going to be a people of radical blessing with our words. And when I say blessing, easiest for me to think of is think salt and think light. A blessing, what is salt? Salt draws out what is good. Salt preserves, salt adds flavor. Salt is valuable. Those are those kinds of words are blessings. Salt and in light, a blessing is light. It brings light into dark places. You heard the witnesses, right? This morning. We all have dark places in our life. And we need to be people who bring light into darkness. So that's how we're going to conclude the day. Okay? Sound good? All right. All right. Just checking. So that's first. Second thing. Um, this is my sentence for the day. Can you give me slide four? What if having choices plural, is a bad thing. We live in a world of choice. I, a quick Google of choice, too many choices, I found choice overload, overchoice, the choice paradox, paradox of choice, which essentially means there's too many choices and it leaves us overwhelmed. So we think about our world, not just politics, all kinds of things, and our, the amount of information they say, I don't know how this makes sense, doubles every 12 hours. So we have information in our world that we have to decide between doubles every 12 hours. That's like a silly number. But when you think about it, how many podcasts out there? How many posts are out there? How many is fa- tweets? Are they still called tweets? I don't know. Tweets, uh, streaming services, uh, uh, news services. There's so much information. How would I even choose? I might feel overwhelmed. So I'm saying what if having choices, plural, is a bad thing? So I think we're going to be led today is there is a choice. So Jesus, not, not yet, nope. All right, I actually have a couple stories. Can I read this to you? I'm talking politics, and I want us to be thinking today. And I have to tell you, I'm extremely hopeful for today. I've been looking forward to today. In a good way, challenging way. So, listen to this story. Think about being a person who speaks blessing over cursing, okay? I read this in a book. So, but I think this is a normal story. I think we probably, you have heard this before in your own life, probably. There's a family reunion in which one person stated they'd never vote for a different candidate. Another family member, who at the time was a little overserved, could not hold their tongue. Words were exchanged. Reunion ended, and perhaps by next year you've forgotten it, right? But thanks to Facebook, the conversations continued. Their author wrote, the conversations went nuclear. So, One group decided because of this discussion about a candidate they would not want to vote for, someone in their family died suddenly. 
of a brain aneurysm and is a father to young children, because of that disagreement, they boycotted the funeral. They did not go. It was noticed. So instead of responding differently, that family said, okay, then fine. We won't come to your wedding. And we won't come to that wedding. At the time of that book being written, that family had not yet reconciled. What if having choices is a bad thing? So there's another story in the same book. Because that seems kind of extreme. But what I want to say today is this, is this could also be my problem. Perhaps it could be your problem. The same attitude, the same mentality. So there was an experiment done. And the experiment was trying to ascertain this. What is the minimum amount of competition necessary to turn adults against each other? That was the goal. Okay? They thought it was going to be a process. Listen to this. So the experimenter creates two meaningless groups. The participants guess, estimate the number of dots on a screen. That's the competition. You guess how many dots are on the screen. After you guess, you are randomly placed into an overestimator group or an underestimator group. No one knows anyone's name. No one knows anyone's face. No one knows anything about anyone. Okay? And you're randomly put into two different groups. Then he gives an option, two options to the groups. Option one, both groups could receive the maximum amount of money. Everybody wins. Maximum amount. Option two is that if my team won, I'll take a little less money so long as the other team gets less money than me. You follow me? Everybody wins or I'll take less to make sure they get less. This is a meaningless game where you guessed dots on a screen. Guess what most people chose? Option two. We could win. Actually, I want to beat you. So, but I, I find myself in there. Do you? I like to win. So I'm going to argue that I think we have too many choices and that there's only really one. So can I introduce you to a word? The word, give me slide number five, is euangelion. You means good. Angelion means announcement. The word euangelion means good news. Familiar term to anyone who's gone to church for any point in time. If you don't know the term yet, don't worry. We're going to unpack it today. Don't worry. Good news. If you would, turn your Bibles to Mark 1. I think we have it on slide 6. It's page 990 or 858. Verse 14. Listen to all those pages. Man. After John, that's Jesus' cousin, is put in prison, Jesus went to Galilee, proclaiming the good news. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. Believe the euangelion. So Jesus is saying that our kingdom, our rule, Father, Son, and Spirit has come. This is really good news. But you see, that term was a term used by lots of different kings and lots of different empires. So whenever a new king or new empire came into power, they would send out heralds and they would send out a euangelion. It's a political term. 
Good news, Rome's in charge to this church. The Pax Romana, right? Roman peace. This is good news for everyone. Or is it good news? Did you know Emperor Domitian, who's one of the people in charge, maybe during the time of Revelation, uh, he did a lot of incredible things. He built huge infrastructure. He established the reign further, all kinds of stuff. But is it good news? So he, he hosted a dinner once. I read about this. Wow. Trying to assert his power and put people in their place. Roman peace. He invites all the senators to his house for dinner. Guess what he put behind each of their seats? A tombstone. So every senator is like, am I going to die? No, he didn't kill them. They had dinner. But he sent them home with their tombstone. So I'm going to show you today in the text. Can you give me slide number eight? There's only one good euangelion. And in human history, there have been a lot. Good news, I'm in charge. Good news, I'm the, you fill it in, president, senator, state senator, representative. Good news, but we're people. There's only one set of good news. There's only one choice. So let's go to Matthew, actually 633, page 961, or 830. This said it, you've, you should know this. We did spend a lot of time in here. This is Sermon on the Mount. And the header of this section is do not worry. Jesus says this, verse 33. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. In the original language, it's not seek first. It's seek only his kingdom. Seek only his righteousness and all the other things. If you've sought only, we'll figure those out. There is but one choice. And then we'd figure things out with him afterwards. Once the choice has been established. So we'll see in our text today in 12 through 14 is what I would call cosmic struggle cultural struggle, and I'm going to go personal. It's kind of personal. So we'll get here. Let's go to Revelation 12. Page 1,223. So there's these great signs in the heavens. There's a woman and there's a dragon. Last week, the lamb wins. Watch the story. There's a woman. It could, could, it be, could it be Eve, perhaps? People have different thoughts. Could it be uh, Israel, was oftentimes referred to as a bride, and there are 12 stars. Could be. Could it be Mary? And could the baby be Jesus? And the craziest nativity story you've ever read, spend some time later and be like, what is going on? Either way, there's, an, there's a huge struggle that has always been between a dragon, a serpent, something else, and the people of God. But this is all I want to say for time. If you follow it through, he gets cast down from the heavens, which means what? He lost. Who cast him down? Did God cast him down? No, his angels threw him down. So God is on the throne. 
So this dragon, this huge dreaded beast, this cosmic evil, which is powerful. I mean, you read this through the depiction. It's powerful. Is nothing compared to that king. Thrones the earth. He loses. God wins. Well, then how does that dragon fight? If you go back to Genesis 3, there's enmity between humanity and this serpent, right? But even there, it says in Genesis 3 that the serpent will be smashed. But so what will he do in the meantime? He's full of fury, it says here in chapter 12. How will he fight the people? Well, he employs a beast of the sea. I would call this cultural battle because in this, most commentators say this is obviously Rome. This context. He's talking to this church about this emperor, this, this, this current reign. One of the, uh, verse 3, one of the heads of the great beast seemed to have a fatal head wound, but the fatal head wound had been healed. There actually was an emperor in Roman history who had a fatal head wound who was miraculously healed. His name was, I think, Vesperian or Ves, Ves something. So this is probably Rome. This is culture. So if you are evil and I want to change how people live, what's the most effective way? Because people live and people die. I would establish a culture. So people who live in the culture are just living, thinking we're making all of our own choice is, but we're not. We're actually living under the umbrella of this culture in the reign of this kingdom. So is it this kingdom or is it that kingdom? But in Scripture, turn back to page, let's see, it's page 700, Isaiah 27.1. Because John's always drawing our eyes back. We've been talking about this. Isaiah's talking about the deliverance of Israel. He says, in that day, in that day, the Lord will punish with his sword, his fierce, great, powerful sword. Who will, who will you punish? Leviathan, the gliding serpent. That's a sea beast. Leviathan, the coiling serpent. That's a sea beast. So this culture that seems so powerful, John says, don't, don't forget. Don't forget. Our God crushes the head of that serpent. He crushes the head of that sea beast. Don't forget. So the dragon lost. The sea beast lost. What about this land beast? Let's go back to Revelation. The beast of the earth gives voice to the beast of the sea. It's the current mouthpiece for that culture. And it says in Scripture, ready to jump one more time? Let's go back to either, let's do, actually, let's do Ezekiel uh, 29 for now, just for time. Page 848. John always flipping us backwards. You know, in their day, they would just recall the stories. We have to turn the pages. Ezekiel's talking about a current beast of the earth. It's Pharaoh of Egypt. And this is what the sovereign Lord says to the king, the current mouthpiece of culture. I am against you, Pharaoh, king of, of, of Egypt. You great monster, lying among your streams. You say the Nile is mine. I made it for myself, but I will put hooks in your jaws. 
Make the fish of your streams stick to your scales. I'll pull you out from among your streams with all your fish sticking to your scales. I'll leave you in the desert. You will fall on the open field. I'll give you as food to the beasts of the earth. The land beast loses. Dragon loses. Sea beast loses. The land beast loses. This is good news. That king is way more powerful than any king, kingdom, or the one who's trying to orchestrate the kingdom. If you're a persecuted church, if you're living in a difficult time, that would be good news. That would be a euangelion. But here's the deal. Those are big things. A dragon, culture, people in power, right? But here's what struck me. I was reading a book recently by um, someone and he referenced something in Genesis 4. So if you want to flip back, you can. It's on page four, way at the beginning. This is a story. There's Adam and Eve, and they have children, Cain and Abel, right? And Cain decides to kill his brother. Before he does, though, the Lord says something to him. If, uh, so pick it up in verse seven, chapter four, verse seven. But if you do not do what's right, sin is crouching at your door like a beast. It desires to have you, but you must master it. So it's very easy to say, look how bad that person is. Look how bad that system is. And not remember that I can too act like the beast. Which is why at the end, we're going to say, God, would you forgive me when I have acted that way? Would you bless them? What is that? He says, you can master it. If you live in his kingdom and you made a choice, you would then choose to live very differently. <laughs> so what do we do? How do, how do we endure and I'm going to tell you, it's not great news. It is good news, but it's hard. Go back to Revelation, page 1224. Verse 10. John says, this calls for patient endurance. And then if you go to verse, verse, chapter 14, verse 12, get to it in a minute, he says, this calls for patient endurance. We have to be patient because he's on the throne. And that's hard. So what, what do we do as we patiently wait? Well, if you go back to the beginning of 14, you find an army being led by a lamb. And what is that army doing? And I heard a sound from heaven like the roar of rushing waters, like a loud peal of thunder, and the sound I heard was like that of harpists playing their harps. And they sang a new song. They know words. They know a story that no one else knows. And they are singing a song that no one around them who does not know who the lamb is would know or be able to sing. They are worshiping the lamb. What is worship? Worship is attention. Those who live in his kingdom, who have sought only his kingdom, he has their attention. So as you look at evil and culture and rulers, we're in his kingdom. And it will change the way that we live because he has our attention. 
And then these angels fly in the heavens to remind us one more time. They say, fear God. They remind us again, fallen is Babylon. They lose. Fourth time, they lose. They lose. We win. Be patient. And then he says this. Yes, the Spirit says in uh, verse 13, chapter 14, verse 13. They will rest, those who are in the Lord, from their labor, for their deeds will follow them. How we live follows us. There's this old proverb. There's a proverb. It's proverb 6, 16 through 17. I'm getting there, people. Hang with me one more minute. It says this. I'm thinking about politics today. And can I say first, I think you should vote. We need to vote. We need to be active. We need to be a part of our city and our culture, right? That's part of what we're called. Daniel, you know Daniel, who's a lot of apocalyptic language comes from? He served four kings. We need to be active. We need to be engaged. I'm not saying be passive or to pull away. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying we have to have the right, for me, I'm talking to me. I've been talking to me for a couple weeks about this. We have to have the right perspective. If we've sought only his kingdom, we'll live differently. But listen to this. Think about politics in that first story I told you. It says this. Verse 16, 6 verse 16. There are six things the Lord hates, seven things that are detestable to him. When it says six, no seven, it says pay attention to number seven. But let me read the first six. The Lord hates haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked schemes, feet that rush into evil, a false witness who pours out lies. And this is the one to pay attention to. This is the seventh one. Six, no, pay attention to number seven. The Lord hates a person who stirs up dissension among brothers. That's the one he wants us to pay. Do you see the list? Lying tongues, shedding blood, a heart that devises wicked, feet that rush into wicked, false witness. But he really, really, really does not like someone who causes disunity among the body. We can all have our own opinions. But he's saying, Romans, you will say it in a nice way. You can have a good conversation. You can disagree. But you know what you should do at the end? Maybe you should bless that person. I actually got to sit in a family discussion once a while back. It was around that 2020-ish time period where everyone's arguing about everything. And we had lively discussion. But the end, my father-in-law said, we should pray. And we blessed each other. And we got to have a lot more conversations. So how we speak, how we witness, what changes people's hearts? It's not the judgment. Right? So we saying that. Bad things are happening. It's, it's how we live in it. It's how we talk in it. It's how we post in it. It is his loving kindness that leads us to repentance. You can speak the truth in love. You can speak the truth in kindness. That's really hard to do. But that's what we're being called to do. And that's what we can do if we seek only his kingdom and everything else. And right relationship with him, everything else will be added to you. Isn't that challenging?
So I want to pray. And I want to pray for you. I could not figure out how to do this in the first service. We're going to try again. Can you give me slide number, I think it's 11. Actually, give me 10 and then 11. So we're going to, first, I'm going to read everyone's name who's currently running for a position. I hope I'm saying their names right. First thing I want you to do, what I've been doing all week, is I've been asking for forgiveness. Can you give me slide 10 one more time? Or the first, yeah, that one. When I drive through town right now, I pray a lot. I ask for forgiveness from my heart a lot. But if we're going to be people of blessing, we have a really rare opportunity. We, we, can, we have specific names of people who are going to be trying to develop our community that we can be praying a blessing for. And I'll read for you in just a minute. Would you join me? This is a couple thousand people probably at the end of the day. What well, is a couple thousand people praying prayers of blessing and then probably talking in a different way about people all throughout the week? What do we say happens when the prayers of heaven hit the earth? Shakes the earth. What if? So, I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. And if I'm asking you would ask for forgiveness. I'll read the prayer. First forgiveness. So would you forgive us? God, forgive us if our words our thoughts and our actions have acted as a curse upon Dave Hopkins, Harold Van Strylen, John Butler, Liz Terborg Spohr, Calvin Banstra, Dr. Ryle Smith, Tony Bachoven, Don DeWard, or any generation in our city, or any institution in our city. Forgive us. Yes. And then, Father, actually, could everyone extend a hand towards the screen as a way of blessing? So, God, we bless Dave Hopkins, Harold Von Strylen, John Butler, Liz Terborg Spohr, Calvin Banstra, Dr. Ryle Smith, Tony Bachoven, Don DeWard every generation, and every institution in our city with your presence. May your face shine upon them in the days to come. Bless them with your wisdom to lead and love our city well. And God, we bless your good plans and purposes to come to pass in our community. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Yes. Let's invite the band up. So guys, we move into worship. The way that we navigate a dragon, evil, culture, people, ourselves, the way that we do battle is different. <clears throat> we do it by giving you our attention first. And oftentimes, especially in a place like this, we can give you our attention with our words, with our eyes, with our bodies as we worship. You win.
That is good news. And so I pray that we worship like it is. Amen.